Book three, chapter five of the Leopard's Spots by Thomas Dixon, Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Michelle Fry. Book three, The Trial by Fire. Chapter five, A Thousand Legged Beast. While Gaston and the men were carrying Flora and Tom to the house, another searching party was formed. There were no women and children among them, only grim-visaged, silent men, and a pair of little mild-eyed, sharp-nosed bloodhounds. All the morning men were coming in from the country and joining this silent army of searchers. Dr. Graham came, looked long and gravely at Flora, and turned a sad face toward Tom. The old soldier grasped his arm before he spoke now doctor wait don't say a word yet i don't want to know the truth if it's the worst don't kill me in a minute let me live as long as there's breath in her body after that well that's the end there's nothing after that the doctor started to speak wait tom pleaded let me tell you something i've been praying all night i've seen god face to face she can't die he told me so he paused and his grip on the doctor's arm relaxed as though he were about to faint but he rallied the kindly old doctor said gently sit down tom he tried to lead tom away from the bed but he held on like a bulldog the child breathed heavily and moaned tom's face brightened she's coming too doctor thank god the doctor paid no more attention to him and went on with his work as best he could Tom laid his tear-stained face close to hers, and murmured soothingly to her, as he used to, when she was a wee baby in his arms. There, there, honey. It will be all right now. The doctor's here, and he'll do all he can. And what he can't do, God will. The doctor'll save you. God will save you. He loves you. He loves me. I prayed all night. He heard me. I saw the shining glory of his face. He's only trying his poor old servant. The broken artery was found and tied, and the bleeding stopped. When the wound in her head was dressed, the doctor turned to Tom. That wound is bad, but not necessarily fatal. Praise God! Keep the house quiet, and don't let her see a strange face when she regains consciousness, was his parting injunction. The next morning her breathing was regular and pulse stronger but feverish and about seven o'clock she came out of her comatose state and regained consciousness she spoke but once and apparently at the sound of her own voice immediately went into a convulsion clenching her little fists screaming and calling to her father for help when tom first heard that awful cry and saw her terrified eyes and drawn face he tried to cover his own eyes and stop his ears then he gathered the little convulsed body into his arms and crooned into her ears there pappy's baby don't cry pappy's got you now nothing can hurt you there there nothing shall come nigh you he covered her face with tears and kisses while he whispered and soothed her to sleep when the noon train came up from independence general worth arrived tom had asked gaston to telegraph for him in his name tom eagerly grasped his hand general i knowed you'd come you're a man to tie to i never knowed you to fail me in your life you're one of the smartest men in the world too you never got us boys in a hole so deep you didn't pull us out what can i do for you interrupted the general 
ah now's the worst of all general i'm in water too deep for me my baby the last one left on earth the apple of my eye all that holds my old aching body to this world she's about to die i can't let her general you must save her for me i want more doctors they say there's a great doctor at independence i want them all tell him it's a poor old one-legged soldier who shot all to pieces and lost his wife and all his children all but this one baby and i can't lose her they'll come if you ask them his voice broke i'll do it tom i'll have them here on a special in three hours or maybe sooner returned the general pressing his hand and hurrying to the telegraph office the doctors arrived at three o'clock and held a consultation with dr graham they decided that the loss of blood had been so great that the only chance to save her was in the transfusion of blood i'll give her the blood tom said gaston quietly removing his coat and baring his arm the old soldier looked up through grateful tears next to the general you're the best friend god ever give me boy the general turned his face away and looked out of the window the doctors immediately performed the operation transfusing blood from gaston into the child the results did not seem to promise what they had hoped her fever rose steadily she became conscious again and immediately went into the most fearful convulsions breaking the torn artery a second time just as the sun sank behind the blue mountain peaks in the west her heart fluttered and she was dead tom sat by the bed for two hours looking 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 with wide staring eyes at her white dead face there was not a trace of a tear his mouth was set in a hard cold way and he never moved or spoke the preacher tried to comfort tom who stared at him as though he did not recognize him at first and then slowly began go away preacher i don't want to see or talk to you now it's all a swindle and a lie there is no god tom tom groaned the preacher i tell you i mean it he continued i don't want any more of god or his heaven i don't want to see god for if i should see him i'd shake my fist in his face and ask him where his almighty power was when my poor little baby was screaming for help while that damned black beast was tearing her to pieces many and many a time i've praised god when i read the bible there where it said not a sparrow falleth to the ground without his knowledge and the very hairs of our head are numbered well where was he when my little bird was fluttering her broken bleeding wings in the claws of that stinging baboon damn him to everlasting hell it's all a swindle i tell you and the preacher was watching him now with silent pity and tenderness what a lie it all is tom repeated scratch my name off the church roll i ain't got many more days here but i won't lie i'm not a hypocrite i'm going to meet god cursing him to his face the preacher slipped his arm around the old soldier's neck and smoothed the tangled hair back from his forehead as he said brokenly tom i love you my whole soul is melted in sympathy and pity for you the stricken man looked up into the face of his friend saw his tears and felt the warmth of his love flood his heart 
and at last he burst into tears oh preacher preacher you're a good friend i know but i'm done i can't live any more every minute day and night i'll hear them awful screams her a-calling me for help i can see her lying out there in the woods all night alone moaning and bleeding his breast heaved and he paused as if in reverie and then he sprang up his face livid and convulsed with volcanic passions that half strangled him while he shrieked oh if i only had him here before me now and god almighty would give me strength with these hands to tear his breast open and rip his heart out i could i could eat it like a wolf When they reached the cemetery the next day, and the body was about to be lowered into the grave, Tom suddenly espied old Uncle Reuben Worth leaning on his spade by the edge of the crowd. Uncle Reuben was the gravedigger of the town, and the only Negro present. "'Wait,' said Tom, raising his hand. "'Don't put her in that grave. A nigger dug it. I can't stand it.' He turned to a group of old soldier comrades standing by and said, "'Boys!' humor an old broken man once more you'll dig another grave for me won't you it won't take long the folks can go home that don't want to stay i ain't got no home to go to now but this graveyard his comrades filled up the grave that uncle reuben had dug and opened a new one on the other side of the graves where slept his other loved ones gaston took tom to his home and stayed with him several hours trying to help him he seemed to have settled into a stupor from which nothing could rouse him when at length the old man fell asleep, Gaston softly closed the door and returned to his office with a heavy heart. As he neared the center of the town, he heard a murmur like the distant moaning of the wind in the hush that comes before a storm. It grew louder and louder and became articulate with occasional words that seemed far away and unreal. What could it be? He had never heard such a sound before now it became clearer and the murmur was the tread of a thousand feet and the clatter of horses hoofs not a cry or a shout or a word silence and hurrying feet ah he knew now it was the searchers returning a grim swaying voiceless mob with one black figure amid them they were swarming into the courthouse square under the big oak where an informal trial was to be held he rushed forward to protest against a lynching he could just catch a glimpse of the negro's head swaying back and forth protesting innocence in a singing monotone as though he were already half dead he pushed his way roughly through the excited crowd to the center where hose norman the leader stood with one end of a rope in his hand and the other around the negro's neck the negro turned his head quickly toward the movement made by the crowd as gaston pressed forward it was dick dick recognized him at the same moment leaped toward him and fell at his feet crying and pleading as he held his feet and legs save me charlie i never done it i never done it for god's sake help me keep him off they want to burn me alive gaston turned to the crowd men there's not one among you that loved that old soldier and his girl as i did but you must not do this crime if this negro is guilty we can prove it in that courthouse there and he will pay the penalty with his life give him a fair trial that's a lawyer talking now said a man in the crowd we know that tune the lawyers has things their own way in the courthouse 
a murmur of assent mingled with oaths ran through the crowd fair trial sneered hose norman snatching dick from the ground by the rope look at the black devil's clothes splotched all over with her blood we found him under a shelving rock where he'd got by wading up the ranch a quarter of a mile to fool the dogs we found his track in the sand some places where he missed the water and tracked him clear from where we found flora to the cave he was lying in fair trial hell we're just waiting for a can of oil you go back and read your law books we'll tend to this devil the messenger came with the oil and the crowd moved forward hose shouted down by tom camps by his spring down the spring branch to the flat rock where he killed her on the crowd moved swaying back and forth with gaston in their midst by dick's side begging for a fair trial for him a crowd that hurries and does not shout is a fearful thing there is something inhuman in its uncanny silence gaston's voice sounded strained and discordant they paid no more attention to his protest than to the chirp of a cricket they reached the spot where the child's body had been found they tied the screaming praying negro to a live pine and piled around his body a great heap of dead wood and saturated it with oil and then they poured oil on his clothes gaston looked around him begging first one man then another to help him fight the crowd and rescue him not a hand was lifted or a voice raised in protest there was not a negro among them not only was no negro in that crowd but there was not a cabin in all that county that would not have given shelter to the brute though they knew him guilty of the crime charged against him this was the one terrible fact that paralyzed gaston's efforts hose norman stepped forward to apply a match and gaston grasped his arm for god's sake hose wait a minute he begged don't disgrace our town our county our state and our claims to humanity by this insane brutality a beast wouldn't do this you wouldn't kill a mad dog or a rattlesnake in such a way if you would kill him shoot him or knock him in the head with a rock don't burn him alive hose glared at him and quietly remarked are you done now if you are stand out of the way he struck the match and dick uttered a scream as hose leaned forward with his match gaston knocked him down and a dozen stalwart men were upon him in a moment knock the fool in the head one shouted pin his arms behind him said another someone quickly pinioned his arms with a cord he stood in helpless rage and pity and as he saw the match applied bowed his head and burst into tears he looked up at the silent crowd standing there like voiceless ghosts with renewed wonder under the glare of the light and the tears the crowd seemed to melt into a great crawling swaying creature half reptile half beast half dragon half man with a thousand legs and a thousand eyes and ten thousand gleaming teeth and with no ear to hear and no heart to pity all they would grant him was the privilege of gathering dick's ashes and charred bones for burial the morning following the lynching the preacher hurried to tom camps to see how he was bearing the strain his door was wide opened the bureau drawers pulled out ransacked and some of their contents were lying on the floor poor old fellow i'm afraid he's gone crazy exclaimed the preacher he hurried to the cemetery there he found tom at the newly made grave he had worked through the night and dug the grave open with his bare hands and pulled the coffin up out of the ground 
he had broken his fingernails all off trying to open it and his fingers were bleeding at last he had given up the effort to open the coffin sat down beside it and was arranging her toys he had made for her beside the box he had brought a lot of her clothes a pair of little shoes and stockings and a bonnet and he had placed these out carefully on top of the lid he was talking to her the preacher lifted him gently and led him away a hopeless madman end of book three chapter five